0: Okay, here we go now with the Federal Emergencies Act, the Justin Trudeau government giving itself extraordinary powers here to shut down the truck blockades, take back the streets of Ottawa. Is Trudeau doing the right thing here? Is this a national emergency that warrants emergency powers or... Is it government overreach, a power grab? Let's discuss now with my guests. We've got an awesome panel assembled for you today on this. Ari Goldkind, pleased to welcome him back. He's a criminal defense lawyer, political commentator, and legal expert. Thank you, Ari, for coming on today.
1: Great to be on with you,
0: Mike. Thanks for doing this. Also on the line, Sandy Garasino. Sandy is a former Crown Prosecutor. She's a columnist with the National Observer, and I'm pleased to welcome her back, too. Hi, Sandy.
2: Hi, Mike. Hi, Ari.
0: Okay, thank you to both of you for doing this. Ari, let me go to you first. Your thoughts on the Emergencies Act in front of the House of Commons today.
1: So you have to start with what I think makes us more united and have things more in common than the divide, which the Prime Minister is making good hay out of dividing us. I think everybody agrees that the blockades are terrible. I think everybody agrees that the horns blaring in Ottawa were terrible. I think everybody agrees that blocking bridges costing Canadians and the supply chain in a COVID era where the supply chain is being completely disrupted, all of those things are bad. The question becomes, which is why I think the utilization of the Emergencies Act is ridiculous and very long-term dangerous, is the question is as follows. Was there no other law or measure on the books? None that could have dealt with this or was this a failure quite frankly of policing in ottawa the doug ford government which is part of the discussion because he's passed the buck up to prime minister trudeau but under no circumstances is this the kind of national emergency a 9 11 style event that should have had this act i'll pause there because i know you probably have a guest with a different view
0: okay sandy your thoughts
2: well, um, it, I have a lot of common ground with Ari on this. Yes, there are laws. There are policing. Um, the, all of the uh, tools, almost all the tools that are sought by the federal government here were available to the Doug Ford government, are available to provincial policing. Uh, it was not only in Ontario, however, that these measures were were not enforced. Um there was Alberta. Manitoba had for many days the border blockade. We here in, just to the south of us in Vancouver, uh, had a border blockade that was, that went on for, um, a, a few days. So it, it is an, an, an issue of national concern. Blocking critical infrastructure, uh, across Canada is an issue of national concern. Uh, I do think the tools are there, but here's the question, Ari. What if the failure or refusal by police to act and enforce the criminal code of Canada is part of the emergency? I mean, that's actually what's really going on here. Is you were right. I think your framing is right. I think Doug Ford did pass the buck. I think Jason Kenney did pass the buck. They wanted to dump this onto the lap of the prime minister, and he's really effectively been forced to take these measures to uh, get control of the situation and to, and to get Canada back on a footing. Our national capital is under siege until these emergency uh, until the Emergencies Act was uh, invoked. Nothing was happening, and it is still not happening, but now we are starting to see the police moving
0: in. Okay, Ari, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, so I'm not so sure that nothing was happening. So I don't accept that premise, at least in my province. I'm in Ontario, and I don't accept that nothing was happening. I think there was a cowardice. I think I'm not going to get too inside the weeds because you're in Vancouver about the complete breakdown of the Ottawa Police Service. I mean, you've had everybody wow. last night. And again, I'm not being too Ontario-centric. The entire police services board, including the chief of police, are basically gone. My point is this. The problem that I have with this discussion is that it conflates two things. The fact that we are all sick of the blockade, the bridges being blocked, Coots, Kenny, all of that stuff. I don't think any reasonable people disagree with that. By the way, the people who disagree with that, their numbers are not small. They're not fringe. Their views are not, in my view, unacceptable, to quote our fearless dear leader. The problem I have, particularly, Mike, and we've got to get a little bit boring here, unfortunately. When you get into the banking issues here, the FinTrack, which not a lot of people have ever heard of before. It's more of a wonky legal subject. The incredibly close relationship, the direction by the government to banks, no court oversight, no judicial orders, the idea of treating Canadians. And by the way, doxing many who send 100 bucks or 200 bucks. The idea that their banking, credit card, mortgages, relationships with banks are at peril with no recourse to them. You might have seen Mike and I'll pause here. You might have seen the prime minister being asked a whole bunch of questions today in, in the House of Commons. And he goes, well, there'll be a review in the Charter of Rights Applied. If you're a lonely person in, most, in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, making 26 grand a year, and you said 75 bucks. Do you really think you have recourse against the Royal Bank of Canada okay. and the CIBC? No. Let me,
0: let me get Sandy's thoughts on that. We, we did talk earlier on the show today about precisely these issues, these extraordinary financial powers under, under this law. Sandy, your thoughts on the, the financial powers there, the, the power to unilaterally seize people's assets and bank accounts.
2: Well, I think it's really interesting that we're accustomed to a world um, where police and military use guns, clubs, and tear gas, but not banks. I mean, we're used to a framing like the January 6th where people literally lost their lives. People were killed um, it, it, and, and died in that demonstration. Um, it, but but we're concerned about the cutting off of supply chains to to people who are occupying our national capital. This is what this really is about. These, these groups, um, they've brought children. There are children in that encampment. There are trucks. We don't know what weapons are um, in there. We don't know enough about them. It, it is not immaterial that at the Koots uh, blockade, we had people arrested and, and uh, a cache of weapons. And I don't. And I think the police are saying they don't have all the weapons yet. But there is was a conspiracy uh, to murder police, according to uh, the charges that have been laid. Yeah. And this group is looking for confrontation. This is what they want. But. The surgical ability to cut off supply to these um, to these occupiers of our national capital, that is the effectively the pith and substance of what's going on. And do you you think
0: that's and Sandy, do you think that's warranted under this? The circumstances we have right now, these financial powers are justified. I,
2: I would I would say so. I mean, remember, this is a 30 day order. So this is a very temporary measure, and it we all know. I mean, anyone familiar with Fintrack knows that virtually nothing goes on in Fintrack. For all of the claims about all the weird, the, the worries of of uh, Big Brother oversight, we in British Columbia, knowing about what's going on with money laundering in this province, knows that Fintrack virtually does okay. zip.
0: Welcome back. We're talking about the Federal Emergencies Act. My guests are Ari Goldkind Sandy Garasino. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's take a call here. Wayne on the line in Coquitlam. Go ahead,
3: Wayne. Hi. Listen, Mike. 16 years I worked in the banking business as a manager for two trust companies. When they introduced in 1998, we had to report anybody over $10,000. We were very reluctant to do that to our customers uh with this uh, emergency act it would be to the discretion of the bank manager when you come in we know our clients and there's no way I'm going to look at the account and say they took $75 sent it out that doesn't uh, qualify under the emergency act i think this is just completely ridiculous putting the pressure on the banks i'm now in real estate i have to work with fintax also i go into that line where we have to disclose where the money comes from Okay. I just put it in the hands of the lawyers. I'm not getting involved in it. This is ridiculous what Trudeau is doing.
0: Thank, thank you for the call. Ari, your thoughts? Yeah, so, um, look,
1: uh, calls can go both ways. But he, here's, I want to go back to something my colleague said a moment sure, ago, sure. invoking January 6th. Yeah. This is not January 6th. That's going to become the talking point in the next week or two. I guarantee you over the next 30 days, you're going to see endless MSNBC-style headlines that this is the end of the democracy, that's the end of Canada, unless we have this Emergencies Act. This is not January 6th. People did not die on January 6th. That's misinformation. And if you don't accept that, the three or four who did die that day tended to be Trump supporters. So I reject completely the invocation, and I know many people make it, and they're delighted to do it, that this is the end of democracy. It's not. The fact that these protesters who I think have been largely successful, by the way, despite many of their best efforts. The fact that these protesters are such a national threat to Canada's sovereignty, security, and democracy, what what are we like, clutching our pearls? Are we that broken that for the first time in Canadian history we need to invoke an Emergencies Act for that? In my view, no, and it doesn't change the fact that there are laws on the books that would have ended it previously.
0: Sandy, go ahead.
2: Um, I want to get back to what Wayne's point was, which is that this is, a, this is overburdening the banks and, yeah. and financial institutions. And I think that's a really major concern. And I think it's, I, I agree with him about something like a $75 uh, donation. This is a, very te- it is a temporary order. It is targeted specifically at clearing right now. Clearing the Ottawa protests, um, and remember once again, what we really are facing here is that there are children in the way, and the attempt, the the, the desire, is to goad police and authorities into attacking occupiers and attacking children and creating a media storm around that we don't have a lot of great choices and by the way yes people did die on january 6th and yes they were trump supporters and one was one was actually shot that's what we're trying to avoid is we are trying to avoid the use of force militarization clubs tear gas guns and especially where children are concerned
0: okay let's fit another call in here sean on the line in chilliwack go ahead sean
4: i i just wanted to say something the first point that was made was just made by your first guest there but second point is how do these protesters actually get their message across if they can't sit in an area and occupy it and say that you aren't listening to us you're refusing to listen to our 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 ministers and government you're saying that we're terrorists were racist and misogynistic, that you have misrepresented us, and now they're saying that they're going to be kicked out because they want to be heard. The government, Trudeau, has refused to listen to these people on any turn, and now he's using the most forceful measure to push these people out without ever listening to it. And Sandy's wrong about this. This is a seven-day order until it gets voted through through legislation, and then it gets approved for 30 days. So this still has to be proven. Trudeau is okay. using this because he knows that the, parlor, or the, the session is going to put in the recess soon and they won't be able to be stopped once it's put the
0: process Okay, thank you for the call. Sandy Garasino, how do you respond to that?
2: Well, uh, I think that protesters have been very effective at, get, at getting their message across. And, and uh, I think by today's polls, 80% of Canadians want them to go home. They say they have been heard. There's a difference between getting your message across and getting government to do what you want um, when we've actually had an election on this. We had an election five months ago and uh, 60, over 60% of Canadians voted for parties that were supporting vaccine mandates. Obviously circumstances change and we are coming out of the period where mandates are going to be lifted. So it's, I'm not exactly sure what this message is. We are going through a process of lifting mask mandates because we are coming to the end of the pandemic.
0: Ari
1: Goldkind, go ahead. So that's the great point. Nothing about the science has changed in the last six months. You know what's changed? The political science. And that is something that I think doesn't get enough attention. The science has been clear. The political science as a result of the truckers have changed drastically. And here's the question. I think, again, there's more common ground between me and my uh, colleague here than there is opponent. The difference is this. It's twofold, Mike. One... She trusts the Trudeau government. She trusts Trudeau. She believes him when he speaks moistly and says nobody where, where, worry about
2: where did I say? Where did I say that, Ari?
1: I'm, I'm I being haven't facetious. said anything like that. The, 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 the point is this. I don't trust this power graph. I don't trust a citizen's ability to fight a bank, whether it's in seven days or 25 days, for simply sending 50 bucks to give, send, go, or GoFundMe. And the last point that I think is really, really important here is nobody seems to realize this, Mike, that the reason people support the Emergencies Act right now is because they don't like the cause that it's fighting. But I'm, as a criminal defense lawyer, I switch it over. What happens if this was a cause that the right was fighting, that the Harper government invoked this to quell a protest that was really, really important to the left? There'd be such screaming and yelling in the halls of power that the Harper okay. government Voldemort, and that to me is the question that should be asked. If there's okay, a Mike, San- there's a gander.
0: Okay, we got a minute here before the break. Sandy, go ahead.
2: This isn't about quelling protests. There are hundreds of businesses that are shut down in Ottawa. There are thousands of people who are out of work. There are tens of thousands of people whose lives are being made hell by these constant honking of the horns, which actually, if you look at the Geneva Conventions, violates the torture provisions of the Geneva Conventions that we are a signatory to. This is not about quelling protests. Protesters are free, and we welcome protests. We should, and I am entirely supportive of that. But okay. everyone knows this has gone too far now.
0: Oh, all right, welcome back to the show as we continue discussing the Federal Emergencies Act. It's another tense day on the streets of Ottawa today. Police are surging their numbers. Protesters digging in. The debate is underway in the House of Commons and the Federal Emergencies Act. We've got our own debate going here, right here. My guests are Ari Goldkind, Sandy Garasino. Lots of people waiting patiently on the phone line. Paul in Colonna. Hi, Paul. Go ahead.
3: Hi. I think that there were two things that were uh, wrong in this situation, although I very much support vaccination and triple vaccinated. At this point, the Charter of Rights with the mobility rights, I think that uh, the vaccine mandate actually went against the Mandate rights of the of the Canadian Charter of Rights because they should have been able as truckers even if they weren't uh, they weren't a threat. Omicron has now made it so that it's not being prevented by the vaccine anyway, and simply uh, allowing that them to move would have been a great thing.
0: Okay, San- so Sandy, let me go to San- there, let me go to Sandy.
3: so uh the oh. Emergency Measures Act. was...
0: Yeah.
2: Overkill.
0: Overkill. Sandy Garasino, your thoughts? Well
2: once again I come back to um uh, the fact that our national capital is frozen. Um, and there are children in an encampment. Uh, there were apparently plans, according to um, uh, authorities. the plans have included that they have encountered have included uh, blockading access to airports we 've gone through the access to uh, borders that could reappear. I, I just I think it 's very clear that we are facing a situation where extraordinary measures are needed. People who are concerned about their rights uh, we have ways of dealing with that. You don't take the law into your own hands. In fact, you go to court and you, and you, um, and you seek some kind of relaxation from the courts. You seek the courts to say, well, this is, this is overreach. This is legislative overreach. Those attempts have been made, and the courts have, courts have so far not supported them.
0: Right. Ari Goldkind.
1: Couldn't disagree more. First of all, the courts do not support these things. A private citizen in Ottawa, to her great credit, uh, stop the air horn, so the air horn thing is done. That was done in the courts through an injunction. It's by
2: going on right e. now. It's going can, on right I, I now.
1: Can, can I... May I? May I? Go ahead, Ari. And the other, the, the other issue is there's a difference in belief between my colleague and I about what it's like to get into courts. No Canadian, in my view, when a government so massively overreaches, should have to call my office or Miss Garasino's office and say, we want to hire you. We need to pay to go to court. You would think in a democratic country, a democratic country, and by the way, the abdication of the NDP on this file, who's supposed to support the working person, is insane to me. You should have a democratically elected government that bends over backwards and does cartwheels when they have other laws on the books to not force the hands of Canadians. And this last point, because I know, Mike, you're tight on time, you know, it's one thing to keep invoking the children, the children, the children. These are the children of the protesters these are not children that are being put in harm's way While i agree that the protesters should be moved out that the blockade should be ended and police force should have gone in to get them out last week i'm sorry the sky is just not falling there is no national emergency it's not 9-11
0: okay let me let sandy respond to that go ahead sandy
2: you're saying the horns have stopped the horns have not stopped they've been going all day they've been going for days they're in violation. Paul Champ, who, who uh, brought uh, brought the action on behalf of the, the citizen, um, has been relentless in pointing out the fact that they're all in violation. They're all in contempt of court. They have not um, adhered to one single court order, rule, or any of the any of the boundaries that have been put on them. Their their role is. Their rule, their one rule, is my way or the highway. And we cannot have our national capital, we cannot have our airports and our our borders um, at risk in this way. Hey,
0: Hey, Sandy, what do you think about Ari's point there? He says that the children who are down at that blockade in Ottawa are not at risk. Your thoughts?
2: They are at risk if if the police are going to try and enter and clear, and again, we do not know what the weapon situation is. Weapons were found at coots we don 't know we know that there are all these you know containers of of uh, of gasoline We saw there's a there's a photograph online of a of a child with a with a jerry can. Uh, you know, there I, I just think that it's absurd to imagine that we are going to be able to peacefully clear this uh encampment when the when the uh people who are dug in are saying we will not be peacefully dug okay. out of here. Okay. Uh, and then Mike we ma- have
1: Mike kids, Mike, yeah. Mike may I may say for twenty seconds. I don't disagree with any of that. They need to be cleared out, they need to be moved out. The only question that we're debating here is the Emergency Measures Act. Nobody disputes that no airport and no blockade and no bridge should be blocked. That's not the democratic question or test here. It goes much deeper and much more long-term.
0: Okay, let's squeeze in another call. Here's Steve on the line in Delta. Hi, Steve, go ahead.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my call. First off, a while back, your one guest said that 60% of the Canadians voted for COVID testing. No, no, we voted for a politician... If the only only item we have to vote on is about COVID, then our democracy is weird. So I think you're taking things way out of context. Less less people voted for Trudeau than voted for the Conservative leader. So get that straight. Second off, I, I agree. I don't think these people should be blocking borders. But you're allowed to protest in Canada. The Emergency Measures Act is Trudeau is like a little child. He's taking his ball and going home. And you can't do that. He's not a leader. A leader... Finds a solution, a leader doesn't just throw down a draconian method. That's what we're trying to go against is, you know, dictatorships. Are we becoming sure. that? Okay, that, San- that you, you know, they're throwing Uyghurs in prison. Are we going to do that too? Throw these guys in prison for Sandy? Ga-
0: Sandy Garasino, yeah. go ahead.
2: The it wasn't just the Liberals that supported vaccine mandates, which were a major issue in the election just a few months ago. It was also the NDP and the Bloc. That supported um, um, va- vaccine policy, I mean I think the yeah. the bottom line here, I would hope and i agree um, I agree with my friend Ari that the the, the prime minister's language has been inflammatory uh, i yeah. I think that we you know we really have to get away from the partisanship here, but i think I think there are there's been partisanship on both sides, extreme partisanship, and inflaming this and ginning yeah. this thing up. We are coming to the end of this. Almost all Canadians uh, are, uh, that can be vaccinated have been vaccinated, and we are we are we are coming to the point we're going to be able to manage this going forward. And okay. I. I I'm, I feel for all of us.
0: Okay, I I think all three of us would agree, perhaps, that Trudeau has fanned the flames here, especially in the last couple of days. Like, I was astonished yesterday at this comment he made about the Conservatives uh, standing on the side of the swastika. I just thought that was one of the lowest points I've heard from him in in the House of Commons. But Ari Goldkind, your thoughts? Well, you must have been reading my Twitter account as soon as that happened, because, number one, he's going to get a pass on that. Number two,
1: he's going to get a pass on that, and I'm not saying this to sound facetious. Because he's good-looking. If an <laughs> ugly person said such an ugly comment, if somebody said that about somebody of a different religion, that they were connected to the worst of that religion, that was one of the most ignoble comments in the House of Comments. It barely is getting a blip off of anti-social media today. So if you want to talk about it it's on both sides, I don't accept that. It's false equivalency. There is a big difference between some colossal idiot walking around with a swastika on Robson Road or some uh, idiot urinating on the Terry Fox statue versus the Prime Minister of this country standing in the House of Commons and without his people in his ear saying to Melissa Lantzman, that's granddaughter of people killed in the Holocaust or survivors. Yeah. You're standing on the side of people with swastikas. If yeah. there's a more prime a, a more anti-democratic, anti-Canadian, non-Prime Ministerial comment in the history of this country. Somebody go find it on Hansard, not that I invite anybody to waste their time on Hansard.
0: Okay, Ari, thank, thank you for that. I think we all agree that that was a very unfortunate sequence yesterday in the House of Commons. We're just about out of time. Sandy, let me give you the last word. Uh, you expressed some hope here that maybe we're getting close to the end of this thing. I, I hope you're right. Uh, what are your What are your feelings on this thing going forward here now in the next few days? Your thoughts.
2: Well, I, I, I just do hope that we, we get to a point of, uh, of some degree of order. It looks like there's going to be an effort to get the get this encampment cleared, uh, and I do think that all of us have a duty, all of us who are taking part of this, and everybody who has a microphone and a platform in this country, to lower the temperature to yeah. reassure all of us that we will all be heard, that we are all respected, and that we are coming to the end. And, and, and also to give each other a little bit of a break here, because we're at the end of our rope. We've gone through two effing years of this. Yeah. And we're, we're really at the end, and so let's try and be patient okay. with each other.
0: Okay, I want to thank both of you for an excellent conversation. The phone lines were jammed there throughout. We couldn't get to everyone in the open line, but I thought it was great. Thank you to both of you. Ari Goldkind there. He's a criminal defense lawyer, political commentator, legal expert. Thank you, Ari. Sandy Garasino, former Crown Prosecutor, columnist at the National Observer.